Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Book Club on Sunrise Robot, where we know better than to eat in the underworld, even if there's cake. I'm Susan. I'm Jeanette. I'm Tara. And I'm Meredith. Hi, guys. So, Hi. happy anniversary to us. We're one. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Older and hopefully wiser. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We, we are both it. one and seven. Isn't that, that crazy? That is true. That yeah. is true. No, that's yes. very true. The we... OG book club is seven years old and still going strong. Yeah. yeah. We've been and then around. our podcast is one. Yep. Yeah. Whole it's, year old. Yeah. It's oh, really how? funny because uh, everybody I talk to who, you know, we talk about book clubs and I tell them, you know, we've been around for seven years. They're like, what? They're really impressed. And I was like, yep. We're that dedicated. And I feel like we've gotten <laughs> over that hump. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like we're going to last. I really do. I feel like we're going to be doing this when we're like 50 and like just like salty as all heck. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'm really I mean, looking forward to awesome. it, guys. Really now it's like a habit, a good habit, you know. It's like, oh, every month yeah. we have book club. Um, mm-hmm. But we have to get past the early kids stage and see how we survive. That's yeah, true. That's that true. That is true. Yeah. Well, it's been really fun this week, especially because you know how like Facebook has this on this day thing. Yeah. So every couple of days this past week, it'd be like, our podcast is going to premiere. Our podcast is going to premiere. Yep, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited, really cool. guys. Our podcast comes out in one week. <laughs> I'm just so proud how little echo there is in our podcast anymore. <laughs> like, if you listen to the first few, it's all like wide cavernous sounds. Like we don't know what we're doing. I feel I feel proud. <laughs> we've yeah, come a long way for sure. We I feel have. like we've improved the Shatnerizing too, which I, oh true, yeah, that's one of my happy thoughts. We should yeah. get a clip of that and put that in here of how we were like, and now for. The general book talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, they can just listen to the past episodes then. <laughs> oh, do we want them to, though? <laughs> hey, oh, yeah, some, some of them are them, good. Yeah, some of them That's are really true. good discussions. Hey, remember uh, Susan's bringing the grossness in our exactly. discussion the, and I wandering have, off in the silo and wool? I Come have on. to yeah, say, the miniaturist yeah. discussion might be one of my favorite discussions today, too. <laughs> That's what, episode three? Yeah, that one's pretty early. Yeah, it's yeah. two or three, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, that one was a good one. So, yay, guys, and I hope we continue doing this because you guys are awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. Oh, thanks. Yeah. We're, we're all awesome. awesome. We're all awesome. <laughs> Group hug. Hey, guys, I think we're going to make the listeners cry or gag. I'm not I sure. I know. It's, it's, probably, it's probably gag. That's all right, okay, guys. We're done. We're let's done continue. <laughs> and how are you guys on this one-year anniversary? <laughs> Well, I'm great. In the week since our last episode, I've been all of, all over the place doing all sorts of things. I've gotten to see my dad, celebrated a wedding and a graduation, and an even baby stuff with my in-laws. Um, I went to Awesome Con, I picked up comics and stuff, and now I'm finally home and I've beaten my reading slump. Ooh. Woo! Yay! It's been like two months of a yeah, reading slump, Yeah, it's been a while. Too. It's pretty intense. I know. But apparently I just needed to take some time and do other crazy things, so my reading was slower anyway. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now I'm back and I'm on it. Awesome. That's great. How are you doing, Tara? So I just got back from my fabulous honeymoon in Japan and South Korea, and it was awesome. Everyone should go to Japan. I mean, and I love South Korea too, but it's much more American-like. <laughs> Japan is just really uh, interesting. I loved every moment of the entire trip. Um, and I started a new job. Which means Yay. I'm moving to Atlanta, 
which uh, is awesome and frightening and totally cool. And I've never lived here before and I've barely ever visited. So if any listeners have any insider ATL tips, uh, go ahead and tweet me at Tara Newman. And yeah, I would love to hear them. Um, but Ooh, that's it for me. There's one place, just a side note. Um, there's a like local chain. I think there's only two or three restaurants called The Flying Biscuit. What? It's an amazing breakfast place. It's so delicious. You Noted. should go there. Yes, go there. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> I do love some Southern cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mayor, what about you? How are you doing? I am also doing amazing. I went to Awesome Con last weekend with so Jeanette and some other friends. It was so much fun. It oh, was my it was first fun. con. It was awesome. Our our group cosplay really did well. Everybody liked it. It was um, adorable. Those pictures yeah. are the most adorable. We should post a picture of those pictures. I think I retweeted a couple of them. So yeah, yeah. you did. Check we, my Twitter we did for that. A, we did like a Mario Kart group uh, costume, and it was really awesome. Yeah. Uh, so that was great. And uh, since the last time I've been on, I've joined Twitter and Litzy. So I'm having a lot of fun talking with all the bookish people out on the interwebs. Uh, but yeah, I'm doing well. Yay. How are you doing, Susan? Um, I'm good. I just had a birthday. So my mother-in-law has gifted me a three-month subscription to Audible. So I'm an Audible member again, so I'm excited. Yes. Yeah, it's a great birthday present. Um, I just got one of the books from the Call the Midwife series because I've been wanting to read the other books. So I got that, and now I have to figure out what else I want to (laughs) get. So many choices. I'm I'm probably going to get the one of the Chronicles of Narnia books for sure. Hell yes. Hell yes. I've been meaning to get that. Some Patrick Stewart narrating to me, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we have we have waxed poetic about the Narnia audio audibles before audiobooks yep. before. We have. Yes. <laughs> so I, I think everyone's pretty comfortable about how much we are in love with those <laughs> narrators. <laughs> yep. So yeah, that's about it. So speaking of that, what are we reading? Um. Well, I am. Back on reading Marcelo in the Real World, which is something I started way back. I was going to read it for Book Bingo, actually, and I changed my mind. But I started it again, and it's really, really good. It's by Francisco X. Stork. And um, it's about a boy who has an Asperger's um, kind of condition, and his dad wants him to like learn to function in the real world because he's been going to a special school and participating in special programs. So his dad gets him a job in his own law firm. And there the kid is like trying to make friends and trying to learn how to navigate the social rules of the real world. And um, it's really, really interesting. But like there's this one point where it really like presses a lot of buttons and I kind of had to stop and take a step back because it was something, guys. In this one scene, we find out, like, basically who the villain is going to be of this book. And it's this other boy who's, like, a couple years older. And he basically, in one conversation, um, manipulates a kid with a disability, talks about how he's going to force a woman to have sex with him, and talks, um, 
Oh, that was going to be a bleeped out word. Talks badly of their family for being minority. And I was like, I, I got to take a step back. But it's a really good book so far. Yeah, that's a lot of things kind of happening. In one conversation. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I was like, I, I, I need to stop. Well, now I understand our Twitter conversation a lot better. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> pretty intense stuff. Yeah, so it was really, really interesting. So I think I'm going to really, really like this book by the end, though. So what about you guys? What are you guys reading? Uh, well, I'm back to Watchmen. Um, I was reading a couple books, you know, finishing up Star Touched Queen and uh, another book. So I am back to Watchmen. I'm 65% through. So I'm almost there. Let's see. And what about you, Tara? Uh, so, you know, I, just having been on vacation, um, actually broke my record of books I finished while on vacation. I finished four books, um, as well as Star Touched Queen. I finished Cinder, um, Gathering of Shadows, and Magonia, um, all of which I liked. I felt actually like I had a really good l- playlist of books um, from my vacation. Um, I haven't really started anything in earnest yet, um, so nothing on the horizon. But all of those were tops. Excellent, excellent books. What about you, Mary? I am also, I actually just started Magonia. So far, so good. Still very early on. Uh, It's, I'm trying to think how you would explain it, Tara. Um, Pretty much at least where I am, since I'm in the beginning. Mm -hmm. The main character has this crazy breathing... uh, Disorder. Disorder, yeah, I guess that's a good word. And so far, what I've seen is she's thinking that she has been hallucinating, but she saw a ship... Like a like I guess like a wooden ship with masts flying in the sky. Right, right. It's it's so hard to explain this book without giving any of it away. But it is and this is pun totally intended, it is a breath of fresh air for me from uh, <laughs> it, it's just so um it's so unique of a plot line from what I've read been reading recently, and on top of that, it's just so it's fanciful and it does not give up that it is like it just loves itself for it and it's mm. it's so lovely to read something like that so, so I, I'm, ex- I, I'm excited to read more yes and <laughs> i'm also reading wolf by wolf which so far again I'm, I'm still fairly early on but it's really interesting so far it's it's pretty much set in an alternate uh version of history where hitler and the axis powers won world war ii and are pretty much ruling the world. And the main character is with the resistance, and the plan is for her to uh, compete and win in this cross-continental motorcycle race so she <laughs> can have a private audience with Hitler because he's become what? a recluse, and then she's going to kill him when she meets him. Um, well, oh, I like and her. side note, uh, she was in a concentration camp as a child, and the Nazis experimented on her, and now she's a skin shifter. Huh. Nice. So, so, so far. Yeah. So like she's a werewolf. <laughs> no, kinda. she can change she can change her face. Uh, but pretty okay. much she's yeah. she's impersonating the last girl who won the motorcycle race the race the I guess the year before. Oh. So Interesting. She, yeah. yeah. So far it's really good. Um they're just about to actually start the race, so I know it's going to get even more intense from here on out. Hmm. Oh, and I actually finished The Crowns Game recently, which was also a lot of fun, and I think you guys should read. Uh, it's, it's like a fantasy. It's 
to put it simply, because I mean, it's more than this, but it's almost like the night circus meets Imperial Russia. About like two dueling enchanters and only one can win. And it, it was good. And there's a little bit of a love triangle as there is with one. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you can't just not have a love triangle. Yeah, I know. Kind of a staple. Uh, but <laughs> but it, it was good. I really enjoyed that. So I've, I've been happy with the books I've been reading recently. <laughs> so coming up next is our readathon. Uh, we are going to have that readathon to celebrate our birthday, both as a podcast and a book club. Um, we took a vote on Goodreads, and the results were Friday, June 24th, and Friday, June 25th. Um, so we'll start at 8 p.m. on Friday and go to 8 p.m. on Saturday. We have a Goodreads discussion board open for challenges and check-in suggestions. And the full challenge list will be provided at the beginning of the readathon on the 24th, so at 8 p.m. that night. And check-ins will be every two hours approximately throughout Saturday. And again, that's every two hours on Eastern Standard Time, starting about 8 a.m. Yep. Um, oh, I wish I could participate, but my in-laws are in that weekend, so I don't know how much reading I'll be getting done. Hey, just get them to read with you. It'll be fine. They want to be, well, I guess I could be like, hey, you can, you know, watch the kids while I read. <laughs> <laughs> the challenges are always so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're trying and to mix it up. We won't have the same ones as last year's. So there'll be some different good. ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to mix in some new ones. We might include some old ones. Mm-hmm. And any suggestions are welcome. We've got a lot of new ones so far. But if you don't offer your own suggestions, you're pretty much at my mercy. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, exactly. Evil laughter. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, and I, you know, you could tweet them at me too using our eclectic readers hashtag. That would also be cool. Uh, yeah, that might be simpler for some people. I mean, which is hashtag eclectic readers? Yeah, because not creative over here. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's just nice to be, you know, to the point. <laughs> exactly. So, that being said, we've had a lot of exciting things that have been happening. Yes, we, we have. We just had our first ever special episode with Rabbit, Rabbit Back Literature Society author Posse Ilamari Yaskalenin. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode yet, he was really, really cool. Um, he's very funny. Very funny. Uh, yep. yeah, yeah, he's awesome. So you should check that out on our sunriserobot.com slash eclecticreaders slash 16 page. And we're going to try and do some more of these special episodes. So why don't you tell us about our next one, Tara? Oh, yeah. So we have another special episode coming up. Um, Pinch hitter host and book nerd extraordinaire, (laughs) Meredith and myself, uh, will be heading to London this 4th of July weekend to, and drumroll please... See Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Woo, yay! <laughs> Guys, I'm so excited. I literally Jealous. can't deal with it. Oh, I can't deal. Um, but yes, we will be doing a podcast. And yes, half will be spoiler free, just our general reactions. And then half will be a, if you choose to listen to it, a spoiler a thon breakdown of the play. So um, most importantly, though, we want to be answering your questions. So if you want to know, I don't know if Crookshank makes an appearance or if Albus can talk to snakes. Um, go ahead and tweet us. Um, you can tweet us our questions using the hashtag we're going to use for this specific episode, and that is hashtag 
eclectic potter, um, and we'll do our best to answer it. Um, Meredith, do you have anything else to add? I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so both of us will be answering the hashtag eclectic potter hashtag, um, and we'll be sure to get your questions on the podcast. And after all, you know, Harry Potter is one of our favorite things of all time. You might even say it has its own mythology. (laughs) And speaking of mythology, our book this month does base some of its um, topics on mythology. So we were going to say real quick what our own favorite mythology or legend stories are. So Susan, you want to kick us off? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, I haven't touched mythology in a very long time. Um, but I got to say, I did like the Odyssey when I was reading it in high school. Um, so I would pick that um, as someone because I did like it. Um, but right now I'm focusing more on fairy tales as told by Disney. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, the um, challenges of being a mom. I know. So, um, so that's kind of in my brain right now. Cause that's like literally all I hear and watch. So <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of taken over. Um, what about you, Jeanette? Well, I was leaning toward the Iliad because I've studied it a couple of times, including in college. And there are parts of it. I literally carry with me like every day. Uh, But these past couple of weeks, I've been helping a student study the Odyssey at school, and I forgot how interesting that was. So right now, I'm loving Homer, both Iliad and Odyssey. So what about you, Tara? Oh, my God. Um, So I I love all myths. This is so hard. This was so hard for me. Um, But I decided to go back to the one I probably just revisit a lot in my own imagination that's Gawain in the Green Knight which is one of the Arthurian myths um, and I don't know why I love this one so much I just really do I mean all the creation myths are fantastic I love Egyptian mythology I love Greek mythology um, I, I Hebrew Hindi I, I I was sort of obsessed as a kid but I really do enjoy the story of Gawain in the Green Knight so um, what about you Mary? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. They're, they're all awesome, but uh, when I started thinking about it, Jason and the Argonauts came to mind, uh, where he goes on his quest to find the Golden Fleece so he can, I guess, retake his rightful place at the throne. Uh, but I think this also mostly came to mind because my sisters and I used to watch it. It's like a 1960s or 1970s movie of it. <laughs> I was and just it thinking was kinda, about that. <laughs> It was kind of hokey, and there's, like, these things, these uh, claymation skeletons called yeah. the Children of the Teeth. <laughs> that would just, they just, oh, my gosh, you, you got it. I'm sure there's clips on YouTube. But uh, it's just, it was hilarious, and it always made us laugh. Yeah, um, I totally remember watching that when I was small, littler. <laughs> yeah, I yes. vaguely remember this. It's awesome. Um, but then I also, I also actually really liked Beowulf. Uh, I think it might have helped that I didn't read it until college. And uh, Tara and I were in this really awesome medieval literature class that we. I love that class. Yeah, so I think that also helped uh, solidify my love for it. But yeah, that's what I was liking. And I guess since we have been talking about mythologies, we'll go ahead and jump right into our main read discussion. 
Now, before I start, let me just go ahead and apologize ahead of time for everything I'm going to mispronounce. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I will do my best. Please bear with me. Uh, But yes, our main read this uh, month is The Star-Touched Queen by Roshani Chokshki. So a real quick summary. What does it take to be the queen of a kingdom when you're only 17? Maya is cursed. With a horoscope that promises a marriage of death and destruction, she has earned only the scorn and fear of her father's kingdom. She is content, content to follow more scholarly pursuits, but things do not go as planned, and Maya becomes the queen of Acheron and wife of Amar. Neither roles are what she expected. As Acheron's queen, she finds her voice and power. As Amar's wife, she finds something else entirely. Compassion, protection, desire. But Acheron has its own secrets. Thousands of locked doors, gardens of glass, and a tree that bears memories instead of fruit. Soon Maya suspects her life is in danger. Yet who, besides her husband, can she trust? With the fate of the human and otherly realms hanging in the balance, Maya must unravel an ancient mystery that spans reincarnated lives to save those she loves most, including herself. So as we had uh, mentioned previously, the Star Touch Queen uh, has a lot of nods to fairy tales. And then uh, within mythology, uh, the Persephone and Hades Greek myth, and of course, Indian and Hindu mythology. So just in case there's listeners out there that might not be familiar with these mythologies, here's a quick rundown. Uh, And we'll also be linking some of these articles in the show notes if you'd like some more information. Uh, So for the Persephone and Hades myth, the first living visitor to the underworld, though unwilling, was Persephone, daughter of Zeus and Demeter. Hades, the god of the underworld, wanted to marry Persephone, but her mother Demeter refused. Hades then kidnapped Persephone and took her to live in the underworld. Persephone didn't know that anyone who tastes the food of Hades must remain in the underworld, so Hades was able to trick her into eating a single pomegranate seed. So when Zeus and Demeter tried to have their daughter released, they couldn't, but they were able to come to a compromise in which Hades would release Persephone from the underworld for six months of every year. And then um, I was having to look up a lot for the Hindu and Indian mythology myself, so I ran across this uh, blog by an Indian author named Sharath Komaraju, uh, and, and one of his blog posts was comparing Indian and Greek mythology. And he said, Hades, unfortunately, gets cast as the villain in most contemporary retellings of the classical myths, but he's perhaps the most virtuous of the three brothers. He's known for his sense of justice. In that sense, he's very much like our own god of death, Yama. So I wasn't familiar with Yama. Uh, So looking up things, I found out that he, in Indian mythology, is the god of death. In the Vedas, which are the ancient Hindu scriptures, he's described as the first man who died, and he presides over the resting place of the dead. Yama was represented as a cheerful king of the departed ancestors, not as a punisher of sin, but in later mythologies, he became known as the just judge or the Dharma Raja, who weighs the good and evil deeds of the dead and determines retribution. And he does have two four-eyed dog guards that uh, guard the entrance to his kingdom, like we saw in the Star Touch Queen. Yama means restrainer, and he is believed to keep mankind in check from his gloomy palace, Kalichi, situated in Patala. Here he keeps the Book of Destiny, 
in which each person's lifespan is recorded and maintained by Chitra Gupta. And so while I was researching other things, I started thinking about uh, names because, you know, looking up what Yama meant and everything. Uh, so there were some other significant names in this book. Uh, Maya in Sanskrit means illusion. Amar in Sanskrit means immortal. Gauri in Sanskrit means white. Kamala in Sanskrit, Sanskrit means lotus or pale red. And Dina is actually Hebrew in origin, and it means judged. So I've been talking for a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's all interesting stuff. Isn't it? Like, I, I really had a good time kind of digging in deeper and researching for the book. Um, but now that we have a little bit of background for everyone, what is one thing that stood out to you ladies in this book? Uh, I would say uh, the style of writing um, that the author gave. It was really flowy. Um, it, it was good and bad because I was listening to the audiobook. And so not only could you really tell the flowness of the writing, um, but the narrator was really good. So she was she made it really lyrical. It was kind of bad because um, I would fall asleep <laughs> <laughs> while listening because it was just so calming. And I'm sitting there, you know, nursing and, I'm just, and in a dark room. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm about to fall asleep. I need to stop. <laughs> but in a good way. <laughs> so I did. I really enjoyed the style of writing the author did. Yeah, I definitely agree that the writing stood out it very much, and whether this is by design or not, very much goes with the whole idea of mythology and fairy tales. Like, it's very, very elegant. Yeah, Like Susan said, almost too elegant at times. Um, but what was really interesting to me was also that the book almost seemed like two separate stories. Yes. Because the focus changes from one from one half of the story to the other. And like the first half of the story focuses very much on one thing and then the second half focuses very much on another thing. So to me that was really interesting how it could almost have been two books. Mm-hmm. For me, um I noticed that this was really for for me like just an amalgam of a bunch of other stories. I have already read um, everything, literally everything in this book reminded me of something else. And I think that was maybe to its detriment, you know, um, sometimes that's a good thing, but sometimes it, it was just hard to get myself invested in the story when I was comparing it to so many other things. Um, even the garden of glass that you mentioned, I compared that to the, Garden of Snow and Ice in the Night Circus. So mm, yeah. um, I, I just felt there was a lot of borrowed imagery. Um, and again, usually that's not a terrible thing. You know, no ideas new, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I thought maybe it was a bit overdone. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that was definitely like we were saying, she was definitely giving nods to so sure. many different things. Uh, but yeah, I agree. And I agree with uh, the language. And again, I think that was by design. And I think it actually would be really interesting to listen to the audiobook. I'm, I'm glad that one of us did, because yeah. I think a lot of these old mythologies do have that flowery, lang flowery language because it was all oral tradition. So I think that would be really interesting to listen to. 
Uh, but kind of going along with that idea about all these different stories that maybe we've heard, you know, different pieces about, what did you think? Um, did you feel like there was the Persephone and Hades vibe? I personally felt it during the Night Bazaar scene. Um, what did you guys think about it? And did you like how it was handled? Yeah, I definitely felt that. I was like, this is awfully familiar. Um, yeah, I mean, like a lot of people say nowadays, you know, no idea is original. Um, but it's it's important, like, how an author tackles, a, you know, a plot. And I think she did okay. I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I just felt like there wasn't enough for me. Um, so I... I, yeah. <laughs> I, I liked the Night Bazaar scene. It reminded me of Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere. Yeah. Like a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, as well as the Persephone tale. I mean, when she goes to eat the fruit from the tree, I'm like, no, don't do it. Don't you know anything? I thought you read. Gosh. Um, um, so I, I thought it was interesting. Also reminded me of Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere. But I, I thought it was interesting and beautifully done, that scene. Yeah, I thought the scene was interesting, too. I um, definitely agreed. Every time she ate, especially that scene from the orchard, but just generally speaking, they made such a big deal about her sitting down to these feasts and such a big deal of every time she sits down to eat. And I just kept thinking, you know, when you're in another world, especially an underworld, you're not supposed to eat. Eating means things. Well, <laughs> and I kept waiting for that to like mean be, something. Yeah, I kept waiting for it to yeah. like come full circle. Like, oh, well, you ate, so I was like, don't do it, don't eat. Like her body would change, or something would happen, and yeah. Well, she wasn't yeah. aware she was in the underworld. I thought until I mean, later she knew she wasn't in the real world anymore she had to go yeah. through a mystical land to get there that's true but i feel like i'm not in the underworld you know what i mean like she didn't know at that point i mean i'd well, still be cautious but <laughs> yeah and at one point she does like look around and she's like you know what i notice there's nothing alive in this palace oh i know yeah. and that's like a huge yeah. hint when there's nothing alive where you are you're in the underworld i'm sorry the, the nothing alive <laughs> The tapestry came into play pretty freaking early. Okay, yeah. the tapestry is a huge hit. That was <clears throat> that was one of the, my most frustrating things about this book is we have this main character who is in the beginning a professed lover of literature, lover of myths, lover of reading, gets her hands all over anything she can possibly get her hands onto, and then misses all these extremely blatant, obvious hints about where she could be. Right. Yeah, that so was one of my things. I just. Why, yeah, why did it take so long for her to realize she was married to death? Because yeah. otherwise the main character would have figured out the plot too soon, Meredith, clearly. <laughs> well, well just, if I'm in a or, place... Or would it done the stupid thing, which is take death's power? Because you never take death's power. <laughs> never do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I guess, you know, to be fair, she is 17. Um, I'm sure we didn't all make the best decisions at 17. <laughs> True. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm going to say, you know, even then you're in a place where you get to, you know, create people's fates and there's nothing living in your palace. You're in some kind of otherworldly location. I mean, right, and like listen, this, by this the isn't time normal. she decides she's going to take the noose from his wrist, she knows what he is. 
She's right. aware that he is death at that point. She's aware she's met her father. She's gotten that her whole horoscope is really about marrying this guy. She's like figured that much out, but she lets herself be manipulated into the stupidest move in the history of stupid moves. You know, and it's, I was really frustrated by that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Tara does not approve. I do yeah. not approve. It, and this is, this is funny. This is where Jeanette was talking. It's like two different stories. The first story is so frustrating to me. I don't recognize the character from the beginning to end. Um, she makes stupid decisions. She doesn't question enough. The things she questions is kind of dumb. Like she's just like, I got to find this door. I'm like, you see a bunch of mirrors that allow, allow you to see into other worlds. You have tapestries that allow you to, take down people's fates. You don't ask enough questions about that, but no, this, 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 this door, that, that's the thing you're fixated on. Um, it, it's just really, I, I don't know. And, but then the second half, she's great. <laughs> and it's like a completely different character. And she's, you know, she gets it the F together. It's amazing. <laughs> but that first half, I was so angry. Yeah. The first <laughs> half of the book seems very much to be like, it's just a romance. And so you're not supposed to notice all the things that she's doing. But, like, if you're familiar with mythology and you're familiar with the fact that this book has to have some kind of conflict and conclusion eventually, you know that the things she's doing have to have some kind of meaning or right. significance or, or at least, you know, some kind of stakes, right? Right. So she's, you know, wandering around the palace basically doing what Amar and Gupta tell her. And falling in love with Amar. And that's like the first half of the book's plot. And I'm like, I don't want to just read about her falling in love with Amar. It, you know, it's not particularly satisfying when I know there's more going on here. And then the second part of the book is more like a hero quest. Like, well, now I've done something stupid. I have to go and fix it. And I'm like, wait, wait, what just happened? Like the entire focus of the book just shifted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does kind of take a major character change that kind of seems like out of nowhere. Right. Um, and I think that's why I had sh I struggled with the first half of the book. I think that's, that's when I fell asleep the most, <laughs> listening to the audiobook. Like, it was just, it just kind of went on and on. I felt like it kind of went on forever. Yeah. Um, I, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, can I ask another question that, like... <laughs> I mean, I know the answer is because they need it needed to be there. But what's the obsidian mirror even doing in the room with the tree? <laughs> like, we get no explanation as to why. I'm sorry. What's the protagonist name? The antagonist name. I mean, the antagonist name. What's her Nuriti, name? Uh, I want to say Nuriti. Yeah. Yeah. We get no explanation as to how Nuriti is like hanging out there. Yeah. Why he's allowing her there. You know, it's just. Well, she just she does, is. Yeah, she does seem to have powers to kind of transport at least her voice because we did see her at the very beginning. She finds Maya in her bedroom it, in the palace. In the human world, I understand. But in mm -hmm. the world of the dead, what's a celestial dancer doing with an obsidian mirror in a room that's supposed to be super secret? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. like there's all these like things I don't understand. Well, I think for me, that's that was the very frustrating thing about about Nuriti as an antagonist is we don't get enough explanation of who she is and what she's doing and why she's doing it. Like, you get kind of a vague hand wave of an explanation, like, oh, yes, yeah, she and Maya have known each other for a very long time. Right. 
and Maya you get, decide to kill, you know. Yeah, Maya. and you get, yeah, that background of why Maya and Nuriti, you know, are angry with each other. Mm-hmm. But it's not like, an, okay, well, what is her master plan now? And how is she doing it? Where does she get all this from, basically? And that was very frustrating to me because it's hard to be concerned about defeating a villain if you don't know, you know, what the villain is capable of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we'd probably all agree that we just felt like there could have been more just in general, you know, more. I, I would have been fine with it of being a longer book just to get some more of this background and some more details ironed out. Uh, I think it really it, it could have helped. Um, I did enjoy the book, but yeah, there are definite areas where you're kind of like, I could use some more information here. <laughs> yeah, or even like two separate books, like, you know, mm-hmm. one book maybe about the quest and another book just kind of about her background, you know, like a little novella about where she came from. Mm, okay. That would have yeah, been cool. That probably would have worked. I don't know. I think I had a problem with it being in first person. Um because she, the author built built this world obviously, and you don't really get to see any of it, just the scope of what Maya sees, and that's like palace hallways and doors, you know. Uh, don't get me started <laughs> on the doors. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's like all she's seeing. That's what she's obsessed with. And it's like if it was, you know, a, a third person perspective, maybe we could have seen a little more, you know, and like observed something different, and that may have changed the feel of the book. Mm. Yeah. I think maybe for the better for me. Uh, now, I've, one of the obviously really big themes within this book is free will versus fate or predetermination. Uh, we saw that all throughout, you know, obviously with the tapestry about how they were able to pretty much help decide people's fates. Um, what did you think about that? Just in general, I guess, throughout the book. Well, I'm going to say, like, I thought it was interesting, and I know that it's a quote that we discussed a lot. Um, But there's this part where Amar says, you know, he believes in the stars. He just interprets them differently than the way most people do. And I think that's a really kind of interesting um, view of the fate versus free will, because it made me think that while Maya has this horoscope and this destiny that the destiny and horoscope isn't necessarily what she thinks it is, and it could be, in some ways, what she makes of it. Mm-hmm. You know, had she chosen to take that poison before Amar showed up, like, her destiny could have been, you know, her own death and the destruction of her father's kingdom. But what it turned out, it foretold, was her marriage to death and the destruction turning into creation kind of process. And so there's an interesting kind of combination there where like things can be faded, but you can kind of, you can stand at these crossroads and kind of choose what those fates will turn out to be. Um, I think it was one of our members, Erin, who said it really well. I think she said like, there are these paths and you can go like go down one path or the other. And what happens on that path will happen, mm-hmm. but you're the one who chose which path you took at the beginning. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, I always struggled with the free will versus fate, destiny <laughs> type of thing because it's like no one wants to be told what to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, um, but I, you know, in this case, it's I do appreciate um, in books where the prophecy is like one thing. But it really is this other thing um, because it, this is how it, you can interpret it as and people interpret it one way. Um, I believe that's like a good prophecy because, you know, your fut- I don't think your future is set in stone. It's whatever choices you make, as, you know, Aaron said, and then you take that choice and then it might bring you to that mm-hmm. prophecy, but in a different way. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yes, the prophecy came true, but not how you think, because no one can tell. There's too many choices in the world for, for that to happen. Right. And you're the sum of all your choices. Yeah. Not just one or two. Exactly. Because let's say in Barata, they didn't take the horoscope seriously. And she had been, you know, betrothed like all of her other sisters at a young age. You know, how would things have been different? Exactly. Well, he had been watching her from a young age. He had been watching her from a young age, so maybe not too differently. I don't know. I don't know how that would have turned out. Um, I, you know, I think the tapestry bit is interesting about the diverging lines and when the threads come in and when you get to make that choice. It seems almost to me like the tapestry is self-building. Like you get to make a majority of your choices. The only time Maya and Amar and Amar come in is really when multiple fates and multiple people are dependent on a divergent choice. Right? So the the example we're given in the books is, you know, one choice is that peace happens with less death, death, which affects a whole bunch of other threads in the tapestry. Or peace happens but and quickly, but with a lot more death, which affects mm-hmm. a whole bunch of other <laughs> threads in the tapestry. So I think when your past diverge drastically and they can affect a huge portion of the other lives um, around you and that you connect with um, that's when they come in to make a third party more objective choice I don't know I mean I know that uh, you know it's I'm okay with that like I get that (laughs) I don't know why Um, it doesn't really bother me that much I think that from it also reminded me very much of like the fates the Greek fates Yep. Um, oh, snipping, yeah. Snipping Definitely. threads here, tucking in threads there. Um, so it, it felt very familiar to me. So where other people, I think, were a little bit like, oh, yeah, Destiny, weird concept. I was like, ah, okay, got it. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so I don't know if I have too much of an opinion. Well, what I thought was interesting about that tapestry was that um, Amar makes this comment about like how some things are fixed. And that's why I think like some things... Very Doctor you know, Who. De- uh, right? That was what I was thinking, man. The Doctor Who and Torchwood comments I can make about this book. Anyway. Um, yeah, tweet at me, people. I've got comments. Um, so, anyway, the thing I was thinking was that, like, some events are fixed, so that very much falls in line with, like, okay, you make some choices, and once you make that choice, your path is fixed. Like, you've done right. what you're going to do, and you're going to take that route. But they come in when the decisions kind of, you know, diverge and have a, like, there's a big impact that it's going to have. 
and they and it's not decided already. And I thought that was really interesting. Mhm. Because it, they're only there to help try and see the best outcome for these non-fixed moments. Right. Mhm. Now, an- another obviously large part of the story and in Hinduism is the idea of reincarnation. And uh what did you think about that being woven throughout the story and like when she goes down to the reincarnation pool and sees her father and all Ugh, of that? That's easily the best part of the story. I was just like, thinking that. <laughs> um, easily her conversation with her dad um, in the pool where she goes into his cell is just the best part of that story where she realizes really where she is, where he gives her, where they have that conciliatory moment. Um, I, And also it's something that is unique to the culture that really mm-hmm. wasn't combined with anything else um, or not, not, not in a way that I found distracting. I should say um, I really love that bit. I agree. Um, it, I mean, you learn pretty early that, you know, reincarnation is just huge in Hinduism. Um, so if it wasn't in the book, especially when, you know, she's having dealings with death, that had been really unusual. Um, and I would have been like, well, so what happens to these dead people? What are they doing? So I think having that conversation with her father was really interesting and, you know, it was, it was great. It was like a moment they were having like a true moment. And he's like, well, kind of apologizes for him being kind of a jerk. (laughs) Um, so he was a leader, Susan, a leader. (laughs) You can be a leader and still be loving. (laughs) Well, I think that's what part of the interesting things about that conversation is that a lot of the thing choices that he's making and the beginning of the book, like they seem really like evil or conniving or whatever, but it's another one of those things that if you look at it a different way, it's not, that's not the intent. And I think that moment was significant, you know, not just because of the whole Um, focus on the concept of reincarnation, which is very important in this book, but it's also really important to the character because she has this moment of understanding where her father was coming from and their relationship from his end and understanding like, oh, okay, this is who he is and this is who I was and this is why that didn't, you know, that didn't work. Yes, Mm -hmm. um, he... eventually tells her, like, I, you, I let you do this because I cared for you. Right. Even though I had a kingdom to run, and that's why I did these other things. So it was, it was nice. Yeah. Well, was and it, I even a favorite daughter that. is still a daughter. Yeah, yeah. Was, that was harsh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But I think she needed to understand that, that she wasn't just, you know, a problem to be dealt with but she, that she was part of this larger pi- picture that he was looking at. And he was trying to do it in a loving way that still worked out yeah. for everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, I think we all agree that the second half was probably our more favorite half. There's a lot more action. And, uh, you know, uh, I think Meyer grows a lot in the second mm-hmm. half of the book. Um, and I know we're running short on time, but I really do want to talk about um, what did you think the significance of Maya coming back as a sadvi was during that second half? Um, she does mention in the book when she first comes back a little bit about 
Asabvi, and she, you know, she mentions that they're considered a member of the living dead. Mm-hmm. So I did, a, uh, I did a little bit of research about what exactly Asadvi is. So um, Asadvi is a holy woman of India. About 10% of sadhus are women called sadvis. But most of them are old, having become a sadvi after they were widowed. Uh, there is a popular belief that women have to be born again as men before they can be spiritually liberated. And the even more marginalized position of widows choosing the sadvi life was and still is one of the uh, only respectable ways to escape from the living death of widowhood. So I thought that was interesting. But what, what, what are your thoughts about her coming back as that? It's interesting that it's a cross between like being a widow and being, you know, living death um, in the sense that. I mean, both of which she, she is. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying is that that is exactly what she is at that point because her husband has been taken from her for all she knows at the time of reincarnation. He may or may not be dead or at least dying. And she has always felt like the living dead. She's always felt like a ghost. Mm -hmm. And now she really, truly, in a way, is one because she's just come back from the underworld, whether she believed it or not. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's 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 interesting. I think it's like one of those things that's supposed to be overly looked at and prodded. I think it's just one of those things that, you know, Meredith, if we were studying this, for instance, in literature class, we'd go over it and over it and beat it with the dead stick, probably. Um, whatever. Um, I think it's interesting. I think what Jeanette said makes a lot of sense. You know, she's both the living dead and a widow at this point or, at you know, kind of a widow, mostly a widow. Um, it's interesting she comes back as holy that, Mm -hmm. you know, which she clearly is. I mean, she's riding on a horse of death, trying to find her way back to the underworld. And, um, but everyone still views her as this charlatan, which I actually found the most interesting because in a way, this is a half God or a demigod come to earth to save death himself definitely a holy figure, definitely half dead, definitely all those things that she is, but people in the real world still don't see her for what she is. Mm-hmm. Still view yep. her as a charlatan. Um, and I think that says more about how we accept things in the real world than it does about her. And I thought that was actually the more interesting bit about her being a Sadvi. Yeah, I did find that really interesting that, you know, even Kamala, who knows, you know, about death and who knows about, you know, this whole other world, how she was, how Kamala as a horse was like, yeah, you're maybe queen, but you're definitely a fake. And you, as, you know, Maya goes proving herself in different small little ways, like the ch- the tone, like the tone changes from like, fake queen and fake sadvi to fake queen, maybe kind of probably not a sadvi, fake queen and definitely like... Not a sadvi. To not sadvi, maybe queen to, to, yeah. To like definitely queen, yeah. And it was just like, like it happens at like four or five different points where she changes the name 
until it's like, yeah, you're definitely a queen. Definitely not a Sabi, by the way, but definitely a queen. <laughs> and it's just the, the growth of that I found was really interesting because it marks the growth of Maya. Yeah. yeah. I mm-hmm. wish I wish that character. What's the horse's name again? You just Kamala. I, I wish that character had been in the story the entire time through. <laughs> oh like, my gosh! How, how great Kamala would that was commentary amazing. have been? How great would that commentary have been throughout the entire thing? She was the best part of the book. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. Was, it was interesting to me that Kamala though didn't recognize her, and that the um, elephant was an elephant. The elephant didn't recognize her because if you remember in the beginning, the tutor recognizes her. I, we yeah. still don't know what the tutor is. We have no idea yes, what that, that was. that frustrated me, by the way. Uh, that never came back, which I hate when things don't come back. <laughs> um, but the tutor obviously knew her for who she actually was. So why does this one creature recognize her, but these other ones don't? It's a very uneven narrative choice. Yeah. I think, I don't know, I think... You know, it wasn't explained, but maybe something happened when she was returned from the underworld that just made her unrecognizable. Um, because, yeah, no one recognizes her, not Gowrie or Dinah or brother. Yeah, and the uh, only thing they used to explain that is, I'm covered in ash. And I'm like, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, it's just dirt. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's not like my face is burned unrecognizably. yeah. And my like, hair's shorn and I'm dirty. Not a big yeah. deal. I don't know. It was just like, wait, no, you just, you look a little different. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't know. I think, though, the thing about Kamala being in the book the whole time, I think she is one of those things that we appreciate her because of what she did in that story. I think if she had been present in the book the whole time, she would have been very irritating. And I think we lo- she's, like, so lovable because she's limited. Mm. That's probably true. Yeah. I just want more anyway. I, I just don't know <laughs> when to say no, you know? Yeah. Yes, I will take that no- we love the horse. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, talking horses, come on. Yeah. Can you really ever go wrong with that? Especially Very when rarely. they have a quick wit. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a nice touch. <laughs> she's just so snarky. <laughs> Uh, and I wish we had more time to talk, you know, get a little more in-depth with the characters about her sister and everyone, because there was some really great stuff going on. And I, I've heard, you know, I've read a little bit that there is going to be a companion book to go with this. Yes. Um, so I think not necessarily a sequel. Um, I've heard some chatter. I don't know if I've actually, if it was actually from the author or just people speculating that it was going to be centered around her sister, Gowrie. So I think that would be really interesting. I mean, can we just all admit we love Gowrie? And Gowrie's like our heart. Like she turned out to be freaking awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I would read a book about her in a second. Yeah. That would really be interesting because I know she tells Maya kind of what's going on and what happened. But like being in it from her perspective, like that had been pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Yeah, I think all the author herself has revealed is that the book itself is, the second book is going to, like, be part of the same universe, and it's just going to follow minor characters. But I don't think she has specified which minor characters. Yeah. So, So, Roshani, if you're listening, we'd like a book on Gowrie. Yep. (laughs) That'd be nice. 
<laughs> if she meets Kamala along the way, or the elephant, the elephant was pretty cool. That was <laughs> cool. I'd be pretty. I'd be pretty down with that. Give me a cloud bridge, please. I was like, hell yes. <laughs> cloud bridge. Check. That's just one of those things that we should put on our fantasy world bucket list. I think <laughs> cloud yeah. bridges. Yeah, why not? I'm in labyrinths, <laughs> cloud bridges. We need to create a list. I'd love yeah. a list. <laughs> oh, you know how much I love a list. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I think we have to wrap up our discussion on the Star Touch Queen. Uh, but the next book that we'll be talking about in our Eclectic Readers podcast is Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer, which, from what I've heard, is going to be quite different <laughs> than what we've oh. read. It's a very different book. <laughs> yeah, I was reading this summer. I'm like, whoa, shift change. <laughs> this is why we're the eclectic readers, yes, guys. Yes. Yeah. Ooh. That's not how we got our name at all. <laughs> no, no, of course not. <laughs> so, all righty then. Well, you can find our show notes because um, we'll be linking um, information on Hindu and Greek mythology and... Um, all the names that we've got, uh, the author had, uh, the meanings, that's all going to be on our show notes at sunriserobot.net slash eclecticreaders slash 17. Um, and where can people find you? Uh, well, you can find me on Goodreads, either at our Eclectic Readers page, where there is an open post for the readathon challenges, just saying, again. Um, or you can find me on Goodreads at uh, goodreads.com slash Rivera. And I'm on Twitter at Dr. Jeanette, which is D-R-J-E-A-N-N-E-T-T-E. And Tara, where can people find you? Uh, Goodreads, like Jeanette mentioned, come find us on our page. We're really active there. Um, and on Twitter at Tara Newman, T-A-R-A-N-E-W-M-A-N. And don't forget, if you want to ask us any Harry Potter and the Cursed Child questions, use the hashtag EclecticPotter. Um, and we will get those on the next podcast or special episode podcast. Meredith? Well, you can find me at Goodreads, Twitter, and Litzy. Uh, I have Oh, you same iPhone handle. user. Oh, I'm, it's so great. I wish you guys had iPhone. <laughs> it's they, coming. It's coming to Android, or so they it say. Is. Yes, oh. I think they, they've been saying this summer. So we'll see if they can stay on that schedule. But it's so much fun, and I can't wait for you guys to join because the community is really great and positive, and it's a lot of fun. Um, But, yeah, so I have the same handle for all three platforms. It's Mare the Book Gal. So all one word, and Mare is M-E-R-E. So come find me and talk about books. And what about you, Susan? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Where can they find you? (laughs) People can find me on Goodreads, um, besides the Eclectic Readers page, at Sue Lyons. um, Twitter at Dudi Kaicho, R-U-R-I underscore K-A-I-C-H-O-U. And Google Plus is Susan Lyons. That's where I usually do a bunch of book links um, and such to share. So come and find me on all those platforms. Um, and if you'd like to support us, you can support us by going to sunriserobot.net slash support. Um, one way is through Patreon. We'd like to give special thanks to Benji Robinson, Carolyn Kraut, and Joan Edwards for their support. Thank you so much. Um, also, if you would like to keep up with all your episodes, just go ahead and subscribe to your favorite podcatcher so you don't miss an episode. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, that way other bookworms can find us um, and listen and join in on the conversation. So uh, we'll go ahead and shelve this until next month, guys. We'll see you then. 
See you then. Bye. 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 Bye.